This is episode number 23 of the Founder Podcast with AJ Leon. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host from Melbourne, Australia. So I hope you're all having a great week, guys. I'm super, super pumped for 2015. I'm actually just writing down my goals now. Let's uh, make 2015 the best year yet. My friend Marin Barraket said, I should share something interesting with you today before I jump into today's show, just so you can get to know me a little better and the person that uh, is giving you this podcast. So something that you wouldn't know about me is I actually have never tasted chocolate. I have a ton of food allergies. I've had them ever since I was a little kid. So I'm allergic to dairy, egg, sesame, peanut, coconut and a ton of other random things and uh, I've had it my whole life yeah I'm a pretty much a modern day bubble boy except I can walk around and go outside and explore but that's a little bit about me that you wouldn't know yeah look um, I wouldn't know any different I don't know any different and yeah that's me so about today's guest uh, his name is AJ Leon This interview I did with AJ a while back, long story short, AJ is an extremely inspiring person and he runs a company called Misfit Inc. And they have a whole ton of things going on under their Misfit brand. And uh, he's a truly remarkable, interesting, very, very interesting guy. Him and his wife, Melissa, are traveling around the world and they plan to visit every single country in 1880 days. AJ Leon used to be a financial executive and he was earning oh, a ridiculous amount of money. Off the top of my head, I can't even remember, but it was at least a six-figure, a high six-figure salary. And just before he was about to get married, he threw it all in and started from scratch and he wanted to do something that truly matters he wanted to do work that truly matters and uh, he's on a quest to change the world in this interview he shares what clicked for him and what sparked that change and really goes in depth on how you can start your idea your hustle and how to start a movement and what it means to really do work that truly matters. Um, I'd also like to share with you, AJ shared some real gold with me after we turned off the recording, but I think it's just so important that uh, you hear this, and I don't want to ramble on too much. When I said to AJ, I'm trying to grow founder, what's the best piece of advice that you would give me? And he said to me that... 
if you want to compete with big magazines like Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur, they have great information, but they don't really have something that you can get behind. And he said things really, really start to click for him when he realized one simple thing. People are much more concerned about why you do something as opposed to what you do for them. He said once he worked that out, communicating that why, he said it's it can be very, very powerful. And that's how he creates his movement, Misfit Inc. And people go crazy for anything Misfit that they release. And uh, that's because there's a message behind the brand, something that's so much deeper than here's what we can give you, but here's what we can give you and this is something you can get behind. Can you see the difference? So yeah, that actually sparked me to go off and create the Founder Manifesto and you know, if you go to our About Us page, you can see what we're all about. We are we are a magazine and now a podcast and now a media brand all about showing you exactly what it takes to build a successful business. And why? Because life is too short to do anything else. And you deserve to learn from proven entrepreneurs before you. And we want to be leading that movement of entrepreneurs starting their businesses from scratch, from their from their bedroom. We want to be leading that and we want to really show people what it takes and we want to drive this growing force of entrepreneurs. And that's what we're all about. We're all about helping you. So that's a little bit about me. I know I tend to ramble on a lot, but uh, bear with me. Let's just jump into the show. If you are loving these interviews, please leave us a review Go to foundermag.com forward slash cast or foundermag.com forward slash stitcher and you can leave us a review there. Hope you all have a great week. Now let's jump in. Today I'm joined by AJ Leon and we're going to be talking about how to do work that truly matters, turning entrepreneurial ideas into reality. AJ used to live a unremarkably average life as a financial executive in Manhattan, as he would say. And in a stunning moment of clarity, he decided to stop once and for all living some other dude's life. And in partnership with his wife, Melissa, AJ reinvented a multifaceted nomadic life as a writer, designer, entrepreneur, and humanitarian, and is on the quest to change the world. He is currently traveling around the world in 1880 days. Is that right? That's, that's right. Yeah. Five years. Awesome. All right. Well, look, I just wanted to say thank you for joining us, AJ. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here, Nathan. And thanks for the intro because it makes me, uh, <laughs> when you're hearing it back, I'm like, whoa, it almost makes you sound important. <laughs> well, look, you're somebody that I stumbled across a while ago and I was following your Twitter feed and Srini, Srini Rao speaks very, very highly of you and you've yeah, taught him sure. a lot. He's, good. He's a good dude. I, I love Srini. He's uh, he spoke at our conference actually in Fargo just a couple of months ago, and he just he killed it. And he's such a, a fabulous writer and a great human. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been some. Yeah, no, very, very, very interesting. You know, philosophical, amazingly inspiring dude. So let's just talk about more about you, man. Can you can you give us a quick little rundown of, of where everything clicked? You were working in New York, big Apple, yeah, and. You were living it, what society would say would be a very successful life, and something happened. Can you can you take us back to that day where where something happened? You you're making really good money, right? Just something yeah. wasn't right, and this is just before you're about to get married. Yeah, four days, four days before I was going to get married. Um, yeah, I mean, I had lived a life that was the exact archetype of the life that one should live like post teenage years when i was a teenager i was a bit of a punk just a ball player and, and then i had a high school guidance counselor basically tell me a guy like me couldn't go to university and i was just going to be a you know mechanic no offense to mechanics but she meant it in a derogatory way and that i shouldn't even i shouldn't even bother and that kind of you know I'm, i didn't like that very much so when i went to university i took it incredibly seriously and i started kind of thinking i i, I re-engineered my entire paradigm and I started seeking out what would be considered success. So when I 
I mean, even when I went to go pick out my majors, I remember sitting at a Barnes and Nobles. I mean, when when those things still existed, and I and I remember choosing my degree, what I would study, that my degrees um, from a book that talked about what type of degree you could get and the lifetime value of that degree, you know, wow. in terms of salaries. In essence, like all my learning, I, I ended up graduating from university with incredibly high marks. I took the biggest offer at the largest firm um, that I could find. I really didn't care what I'd be doing for them or where I'd be. All I cared about was the fact that I was getting paid money. I got a signing bonus and I was, you know, successful. And I, after that, I really from one firm to the next, uh, right at the precise time to leverage, you know, like when you're doing that corporate career thing, it's basically a game. And if you learn how to play the game, then you exploit kind of one company that you're working at right at the moment when you're about to hit that bubble and then you vertical leap to the next one. Mm -hmm. So I got really good at that game. And I found myself in my mid twenties with a corner office in Manhattan, overlooking the skyline, making an absurd amount of money, big bonus. You know, I didn't even work a ton of hours. You know, I was just like, I, I was kind of at the top managing about two, $2 billion in assets. So the, I mean, the problem with all that was, is that I, hated my life and I was completely and utterly passionless about what I was doing. I always had been. I just was good at getting to what that sort of par- that parameter and that what that paradigm deemed a success. So to answer your question, on December 31st, 2007, which is four days before Melissa and I were going to get married, my boss calls me in his office and his office was right next to mine. So I just walked over and walked in his office and he looks at me and he says, you're getting a promotion and you're going to make basically twice as much money as you do. And you're going to effectively be number three in the company, number two, three in the company, groomed to be the franchise, groomed to be a partner, you know? So you can see that that's a seven figure track. That's like, you know, I walk out of the office. I walk back into my own office. I close the door and I, and I just look over, yeah, I, I go right to the window because I had done many times. I, I just looked over across my hat and I just started to to cry because I, I realized that I was just offered something that I would never be able to walk away from and that like my script was written. You know, it was a very profound moment of loss for me because any inkling of a dream that I once had that I was going to break away from this and I was going to be an adventurer and I was going to be a person that was brave and and do things that mattered was gone now because I would never, ever be able to have the courage to walk away. Um, and that's, that's the trick with money. You know, it has money. We created it, but now it owns us, you know, and the more you make, the harder it is to walk away. So, uh, you know, at that moment, I kind of saw myself, I, I remember it was like, clear as day. Like I saw myself, I saw this vision of a 60 year old version of myself and looking back at me now and just mourning the glory of this life that could have been. And then it occurred to me, I just kind of like, I was, I got really, truly, truly depressed to the point that I, w- I was crying alone in my office. And then it just struck me that there was another choice. I could leave. I could leave right then and right there. And then I realized that if I didn't leave, that I was going to be that guy for the rest of my life. And the prospect of that profound loss of my one and only life, I mean, that's when it really struck me that this is it. This is my life. And it is my one and only was more terrifying than the prospect of how I was going to pay rent next month. Because in that world, you, you spend as much as you earn, you know, mm, um, that's right. Or sometimes more than you earn. And I, just in one brief moment of audacity, I walked into my boss's office. I basically told, I mean, he, he became the personification of every cage that I had ever put in, in my life, you know, and I just went off on like this Shakespearean <laughs> soliloquy on this dude, poor guy, and uh, basically told him to go fuck himself. And then I, I grabbed my stuff, walked out the door. I mean, I torched that bridge to the ground, you know, I, I, I hit the, I hit the street and that was, and that's it. And I raised my hands in victory, not metaphorically. I actually did because for the first time in my life, I felt like I was free. Yeah. And, I was. yeah. and most people wouldn't think you were insane for doing that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there, I think there is an element of insanity in, in, in brave moments in life. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we all like, you know, when you see 
did somebody do, you know, at that, and, and you're not always brave, you know, you're not always courageous. None of us are, but like when, when those moments happen and you take that moment, we all know those moments, like where we chose the brave thing, the crazy thing. So there is an element of insanity in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did, how did you cope just knowing that you didn't know what, what you were going to do? You didn't have the security I mean, of the amount of money that you were used to guaranteed coming in, you know, well, not guaranteed, yeah. but just that feeling of, of sense of security. How did you cope? You know, when you. Like it's, there's kind of a duality on the one hand, you have to recognize, like, I just escaped this dungeon, you know, this, this castle that I had been locked in for my entire adult life. So on that hand, I was, I was free and there was this jubilation and then it sets in right after the moment that it's done, you know, now it sets in that, Whoa, that wasn't the end. That was the very, very beginning. And then I just, you know, I mean, at that point you just, you need to figure it out. I had no plan B. I, I don't, I never get like my life and what has happened in my life. That is not a life plan. And I never give that as advice <laughs> uh, to young folks because it's ludicrous. And, and, and surely a wiser person would have been trying to build something on the side or like gain skills on this, you know, like for two years and develop a little thing. And, you know, but I was at a point of no return. I was at a point where that wasn't, it just, I had gone too far and yeah. it was too this, this promotion, it was too far. It wouldn't matter what I put on the side. I would have never left, you yeah. know, it, it, and I knew it. So that was me. But at that moment, then obviously you start having to try to put things, try to put things together. You know, I did something very stupid early on, which a lot of entrepreneurs do. And I started looking at my kind of history to dictate my future. So I thought, oh, accounting, finance, uh, degrees. I was so I set up my own little management consulting practice, just thinking if I, you know, that I just wanted to be free. I just wanted to be out of an office, yeah. and I would be happy. A lot of people make that mistake early on, and then I, I ended up getting clients and getting clients very quickly. And then I realized I was building a prison from the inside, except this time I was holding the key. You know. Yeah. Wow. Um, and and then I I looked at that, and I and and then I just raised that to the ground I, I kept one little client just to pay rent and we're ba- melissa and i are basically you know hunting cats and Tompkins for a part to stay alive and then and we sat down and we wrote our 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 list you know that, that was the, the turning point for my wife and i was, was the moment that we just thought what if we could start from scratch you know what if what if history and context and Everything that had governed my life didn't matter anymore. What if I could choose the guy in the novel that I wanted to be and just just embody, just start acting like him? And then we wrote down all these things that we wanted our life to look like in two years. I felt like two years was a palatable, you know, five years a little bit too far. Six months is like, okay, you know, so two years would be this perfect. And, you know, we wrote that we wanted to be adventurers and we wanted, we were very specific. We wanted to travel 50% of the time. We wanted to work together. We wanted to do work on the web. For me, that was web design. I was always an artist. I was always into aesthetic and beauty, but I was told when I was a kid, you can't make money doing that. And we wanted to do uh, social work. We wanted to do, you know, give at least 20% of our time to humanitarian projects. And there was a few other things on that list, but we that list acted as, if you can imagine, like the filter through which the grinds of every decision in our life would flow through. I mean, that list was, if it did not fit into that filter, we were not going to do it and we would leave any type of money on the table and be, we would be in any type of discomfort. And that was, that was, you know, it's an excruciating thing to do, to, to do that, obviously, because that sometimes that lands you in, uh, in fucked up places, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, Melissa and I have slept in five-star hotels. We've also slept under bus benches. We've slept in mud huts in Africa. We, we you know, we've been, we see we've gone wire to wire all hey, it's all about the story right all about the experience that's brilliant that you say that because that that is precisely it like once i started to view the choices in my life differently and i started to view my life as a novel and i started to view myself as, as the protagonist in a grand adventure everything changed for me because it was about a narrative and now you're living a narrative and things are different when you're living a narrative as opposed to having, you know, building a career or, or building a, a traditional life or whatever it, it may be. 
So, yeah. And it's just more exciting, I think, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go back a little bit. So you talked about the list that you wrote after you quit your job. How, how long ago was that? I mean, that was five years ago. That was five years ago. So let's fast yeah. forward five years now. And tell us about the kind of things that you you, you and Melissa and, and Misfit Inc. And, and all these amazing things you're doing. Can you give us a run through in, in the kind of things you're doing and, and the kind of things you've yeah. achieved since, since leaving sure. that job? One thing I wanted to touch on was I think when entrepreneurs start out, they just see the dollar signs. They just look for the profit. And, and I was guilty of this too. My, my first business venture, I just did it because I wasn't really concerned with creating value or giving something back or helping others. It was all about the money, man. And I think that's something that you do so and encapsulate so well is you do work you. that truly matters. And yeah. whether it's, you know, for clients or philanthropic work, it, it, it really, you really embody that. So I'd just like to hear your take. Sure. I mean, there's different types of entrepreneurs. You know, there's entrepreneurs that build things to last. There's entrepreneurs that build things to sell. And then there's entrepreneurs that for them, they're just a 21st century artist. And you want to live an interesting, adventurous life. And you, there's going to be expressions of that life that some of which, if you know how to connect dots, will generate a profit for you. You know, some will not, just like many art artists, right? Many artists you know, even in the past, I'm not talking about now, like this is true of artists of the days of old, you know, and those, so like entrepreneurs, almost too much of a general term from what I've seen in the conversations that I've had. Now, this type of entrepreneur, you know, that we're seeing more and more, or at least more and more communicate online, where it's not just about business and it's not necessarily about, oh, I got to get, I got to get a VC and then I want to sell it. And then I'm going to do my next one and like making that deal. And it's not about building the next McDonald's. It's about people who look at their one and only life and say, I want this life to count. I'm not really concerned about building something that like, you know, that like people are drinking my Coca-Cola for generations from now. I don't really care. I care about right now. And if that's the type of entrepreneur you are, if you're, if you're more artist, you know, there's if you're more artist than you are business person, right? It's, it's, it's not black or white, it's gradients, yeah. right? Then you're going to make different choices, you know? And, and like for me at Misfit, we, you know, we've made different choices. Not everything that we do is profitable, but there are a variety of different expressions of, of Misfit Incorporated, which is our, our kind of, you know, which is our blanket company inside of that. Uh, is a design agency. So we do handcrafted art, you know, very kind of pixel perfect uh, web design for usually, I mean, a handful of clients, tech companies, you know, just people we really truly jive with, but those are higher dollar amount. You know, it's not, it's not a small business site or somebody for an individual. It's kind of like a um, higher end type thing. And we grew, we grew to that, but we were always very kind of serious about putting together a really well-placed design. And in that way, we were known for that. We also have a print, magazine it's a misfit triannual we're doing it three times a year instead of four now and that's now like we have you know subscribers and print subscribers in 10 or 12 different countries and and, uh, and we got you know digital subscribers all over the world we're printing our first book and this is all that printing stuff is under misfit press and we're printing that in uh, 16 days a book will be launched it's called the life and times of remarkable misfit which we funded with a Kickstarter, which is fantastic in February. And we got raised $40,000 on Kickstarter for the launch. We also do a lot of humanitarian projects, one of which we just launched in June called Good Misfit, uh, where we asked 30 people in our community from around the world to get involved, to raise $500 each, to raise $15,000 to build a windmill in this village in an area in Kenya. And the reason why we did that is because we wanted to solve one tangible problem. Because a lot of times with humanitarian stuff, when you give donations, you don't really feel connected to the thing that you gave to because it's very amorphous. And that's not a bad thing, but that's just the nature of that. But it, how, how great would it be if it's like, I got involved in this project, got my community activated, and then it's just one windmill in this one village and then AJ is going to be there and shoot video back and forth and I can see it and I can, you know, so yeah. we kind of want to disaggregate so cool. that. It was cool. Yeah. We raised, we raised all the money for that. And then we just launched Trendy Misfit, which is a design and apparel company. We launched our first product a few days ago. 
and it's gone it's gone extremely well which we're happy about well that's so cool so you've got a lot of exciting things going on so let's talk about misfit inc and what is your definition of a misfit because yeah misfit inc is is essentially you and melissa's branding where where did that concept come from and when did you decide well you know you were doing the consulting company and you, it wasn't really you, 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 as you said, and you didn't really escape, like, you know, as you discussed, but did you just pop into your head like, boom, I want to do Misfit Inc., or, or how did that start? No, it was, it was an evolution. It's like anything else, you know? I mean, there, there was a moment where, you know, outside of that, once I had left, there was a moment where I got back to sketching and drawing, which I do a lot of now, you know, a lot of design work now. And... And I was thinking about how I felt, how I had always felt. And I'd always felt displaced. You know, I always felt like I was out of place. Like, like even when I was successful, I should have been happy, but I wasn't. So I always, I always felt like I didn't fit. Always, you know? And I think that that, in essence, is individuality. You know, like when, when, when you don't fall in line with people, when everybody's wearing black and you're the dude rocking a neon yellow shirt, it's, you know it's jarring in a way because you're like, but you feel it, you know, you feel it and it, and you're a misfit. So there's a condescending, like we use the, the moniker in like that negative, you know, kind of misfit, but the reality, what it means is defiance, you know, defiance in the, the view of a system that wants us to comply and people that want us and well-intentioned family, friends, colleagues, brothers, sisters that want us to be the same, you know, so, so to me, it doesn't, you know, the misfit, it, it doesn't represent like victory or even success. It represents defiance. It represents digging your heels. The posture is different. It's not forward. Like, you know, it's, it's digging your heels in and saying that I am going to live my life deliberately. I'm going to make decisions with intention. I'm not going to take a script um, from everyone else. And that seems like a very commonplace and com but we all know that it's not we all know that most of us have lived portions of our lives taking direct cues from other people's lives whether it's our parents or whoever that we thought that we should be so that's what misfit represents and then in practice you know misfit we've kind of centered everything around that you know for entrepreneurs a misfit incorporated is a company you know under that company we run a variety of basically divisions for lack of a better term the design apparel company or publishing arm, even pursuit of everything, which is, which is a blog and we don't do any advertising or anything like that, but that's our community hub. That's, we didn't have that. We wouldn't even, you know, we wouldn't be on this interview right now, you know? So, so how did and you get that started? So we, we talked about starting small and, and evolution. And I just wanted to know you, you've had many ideas. How, how are you getting them off the ground? Well, I mean, at first it's like, you know, people, you know, it's funny because <laughs> People look at it now and people think it's magic. Like it just started <laughs> because I heard about it yesterday. It must have just started yesterday. Yeah. And they, they don't see the, I mean, I've been at this for five, at the game for five years, you know? So it's like, they don't see all the fuck ups because the fuck ups <laughs> are, are buried under dirt. I mean, that's a beautiful thing about the web, right? You, no matter how bad you flame out today in two weeks time, even the people that follow you on Twitter, they will not even remember it. Everybody's got a short attention span. You know, first of all, when, when Melissa and I decided to start living our life more deliberately and through the, the filter of that list, we sold all our stuff. We packed everything in little backpacker bags, which we still have. They're sitting right over there. And, and we put our stuff on our back. We just bought one-way tickets and started to travel around the world and started to basically, while we were doing it, learn how to design and develop websites and at the time, nobody would pay us for websites because we had we were awful and we had no experience. And I was a horrible designer because I was just getting in the game. And you know, it was it, we we bartered. You know, I mean, the first deal we ever made was like we made a website for a coffee shop for you know their old bagels and, and stale coffee at the end of the night <laughs> just so we could eat. Uh, we did the same around England and Europe for places to stay. You know, we made deals with B and B so we could stay. So there's a lot of that, but we, we we there was a lot of little projects. And you learn by doing, right? Nobody's going to come out of the gate and be the greatest designer, or the greatest this, or, or writer, or anything else. So we learned through that process and in that barter economy, you know, you can fuck up and it does, it's not completely, you know, deleterious. It's not, it's not going to destroy your career because you don't have a career yet. You know what I mean? 
people can't get that angry if it's not the most <laughs> beautiful thing in the world. But you can cut your teeth and you can start to do. And it is by doing that you learn. So we did that for a while. I see. And then you and then you just kind of kept beating on your craft. I mean, over time, like anything else, right? Over time, we launched so many projects for so many different people that over time we just got better and better and better. And then all of a sudden, you know, we decided to launch a, a project called Rise of the Cubicle Farmer, where we would travel around the country for 90 days. This By this time, our design had gotten okay. We were like, we're going to travel around the country for 90 days and interview entrepreneurs that had left corporate and, and put them up on the site, you know? And, and it was like video blog, video interview to style, but like in person. Yeah. And so, you know, I designed this site and then all this, you know, we acted like we're doing that, like, you know, and that's, the, the, you need that swagger on the way. Even if you are not capable of doing what you're doing, nobody's ever capable of doing what they're doing, usually. Usually there's that swagger where you're acting the part right now, you know, you don't actually yeah. have game to do it, you know, you're yeah, I know that too well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like every entrepreneur has those stories where you're sitting there, you know, promising something that you cannot in the back of your mind, like, I have no idea how the fuck I'm going to do this. And then you, you either pull it off or you don't. So this project, we launched it and we were, we were going forward with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we reached out to a sponsor and it looked good and it looked hot. And we had like a few pretty big name interviews. So they were like, Oh yeah, cool. We'll sponsor. And it was kind of one lead. And then we got another and then we got one. Then one. All of a sudden we had 13 sponsors and it became a thing. I mean, we generated revenue off of that and it, it afforded us to travel all over the world and for more people to see our work because the site itself was its own design. I and mean, I look at it now and I don't think it's that great, but back in the day, people seemed to dig it. So on that trip, I had, that was the first time I had somebody say, hey, you know, I really, I really dig you guys design. Could you, could you design something for me? And I, and I looked across at him and this is the first, I mean, me and most were sitting there like, oh my God. And I was just like, well, uh, what's your budget? And, and it's not, you know, I'm just like, you know, and, and he's like, well, you know, around $5,000, you know, and I just. I mean, I had to hold it together because to me, <laughs> somebody would pay me $5,000. Now that's a tiny, you know, that's not a big, that's not a big job for a whole website. Obviously anybody would, you know, but like at the time that was like, oh my God, this guy's going to pay us $5,000. You know, we just walked out of that meeting and we bought the biggest like, you know, sushi dinner and like, it was unbelievable. But then, you know, from that, because we always work through that filter, even client projects in the beginning, design pro, we would only take clients that we aligned with 100%. That's hard to do because you end up losing, leaving a lot of money on the table, but you can more quickly gain a name for yourself for the things that you identify and the things that you truly personify. So then, you know, that led to a bit more. And then once, you know, the ball gets rolling and you can launch more of your own projects and here we are today. Yeah. Wow. And I think I think if we were to really break that down, it would be just just the art of hustling and just rolling with it and not not knowing what's going to happen. Just having the confidence in yourself, and that's something that I've actually built over time too. Like, you know, I'm trying to get two issues out in one month. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to do it. And yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's a little bit like that. So let's just switch gears. And I have a question that my actual graphic designer he he's a big fan of yours, and he. He said, you have, to, you have to ask AJ this question. So it's a little bit formal, but I just, sure. want to, just want to put it out there. And he says, you're extremely good at prioritizing. What do you do when you have to decide between a professional commitment to a commitment that you, that you have to live every moment to the fullest? And, you know, you guys are traveling a lot and you have a lot of businesses yeah. at the moment, you know, under the, sure. under the umbrella. And I know we, we talked about before about experiences and, and, and the story. How, how do yeah. you choose between the two? We're com absurdly protective over our time, you know? And, and what I mean by that is I'm not going to engage in something that I don't believe in. So even professional arrangements are things that I really want to be there. You know, like I really, it's something that I just, really align with whether it's humanity. I mean, we fit all of our projects into either business or so this revenue generating creative or humanitarian project. There's some hybrid ones like 
Misfit Conference, which is an annual conference, and we just launched it in North Dakota last year. It was great, which doesn't, you know, first year conference doesn't generate any revenue. We weren't even thinking that it would, but it's more of like a create. So it's a bit of creative and, and business. And the way that we prioritize those things, everything falls through that filter. So we will not, for the most part, we over time, right? I mean, this doesn't happen in one night, but but over time, we have only dedicate ourselves to projects that we truly align and believe in. And in that way, our life, our professional life and our actual life are in congruence at all times. Now, in addition to that, like we choose to live our life like an adventure, you know? So even though still today we do design projects from time to time for clients that we've worked with for years and we don't do many anymore, but, but we do. And even now all of our clients are completely aware of the fact that we are nomads. So we might be doing a video call and they always have been, that was a deal breaker for us. You know, I remember early on having a, you know, this argument with a client that wanted to pay us by check. And that was like, no, you know, you, and then we had to drop, we left money on the table, real money on the table because, and it seems myopic. And you'd think like, well, why wouldn't you just comply with it? Because if you give one inch, if you relent one inch, then the next inch is easier to give. And then it's next, and then it's a yard. And then all of a sudden you're derailed from what your your vision for your life was, you know? So through a series of, of, of those kind of hard decisions, it's made it very, you know, we don't really have to make decisions between like professional arrangements and then like creative because it's it's all congruent, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's all it's all one, you know. We live our life on an adventure. So it's you know. That's right. And you and you're doing stuff that truly matters to you. Precisely. Yeah, that's that's the definition. I mean, other people could look. Uh, surely, there's people that look at our lives and think that we're fucking nuts. You know, like <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, for as many people that 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 today, especially over the course of the last like 18 months, I'd say look at me and Wes and what we built and say, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I really want to do something like that. There are that many people that look at it and say the fuck is the, these these fucking gypsies none of this makes sense you know like it doesn't a design company a conference a print magazine like you know you're nomading around the world what the hell are you doing and that's okay because it's you know it's i'm not it's my life yeah you know? that's it's, right it's congruent with who you are precisely you know that's awesome so let's talk about creativity man because it's something that you is one of definitely one of your strong points, and you know I, I looked I, I looked at yeah some of the some of the work you've done is is really really impressive. And how do you go about creating your best work? For me, the the number one element of it is inputs. You know, because people think particularly like whether it's designing or writing or anything creative in nature, which I think that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, we're talking about creative kind of endeavors people focus on the output like oh well how do you do you know when do you write or when do you you know sketch and 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 like what's your timeline like on projects and those are the questions that you get but you can't operate there if you don't have an enormous amount of inputs and the more inputs you have the more you're going to have to draw from what i mean by that is i spend 365 days a year of my life out on the road you know like out so, and sometimes I return home. I have, I have a home in New York City, but even that is like, you know, I'm there for two weeks. I get a little bit of the city, you know, washed over me and then I go. And not that everybody has to live their life like that, but in my, like in my kind of life, in my process, 365 days a year, I'm tasting different foods. I'm listening to different music. I'm meeting different people. I'm seeing different street art, going to different museums. You know, in the last year I've been to like, 48 states and and 12 different countries and when you when you have all those kind of inputs and all those converse and you're open to serendipity in the world and open to meeting new people and and having those experiences then and and you you have those experiences and all that to draw on there is no way that that will not find its way into your work it will you cannot help it you know Mm. um as a human, like we're all made, you know, it's, it's everything that you, you are who you are, you know, we're one cohesive unit. So if I'm putting all that into my mind, then it's going to make me more creative simply because I have more to draw from, you know, and, and that's true of anybody. I think 
anyone would say that, you know, I've met lots of writers who say their best work they do when they, when they go like Thoreau style out into the woods and, you know, and it's, yeah. and, and so, it, you know, it's, it's definitely not atypical, but I think that is the most important part of the creative process. It's certainly interesting because to be honest with you, I'm fairly constricted with, with how I go about creating the magazine and, and each, each issue that I produce, I see it as artwork and right. you know, we've got, you know, I don't, I don't do it. I, I, I just, I'm just like glue. I put the pieces together and, yeah. you know, I'm kind of constricted. I can't travel, you know, I'm still working the nine to five and yeah. And sometimes, but, but there's always degrees though. There's always degree. Cause like, so I'm, I would be like the gypsy like extreme and to some degree, maybe even that extreme. Right. Because I, for instance, there's a lot of people that a lot of my friends here in Fargo, they have a hometown where it's like, you know, they, they have the, that sort of community connection. They go to the same events every week and all that. And there, there are benefits. So everything's mutually exclusive. However, I would say that anybody, a lot of people get into a rut where, say, even if you're like down the side, you have to stay in the same place. Do you go eat at the same restaurants or do you try new things? Do you listen to like new types of music and new styles of music? Do you look to see what's open at independent cinema as opposed to just watching whatever is available at traditional, you know what I'm saying? Do you, do you yeah, like, there are inputs, even, even in a, you don't have to go out there in the world. There's local, there's local enough in anywhere in the world, you're going to have those local inputs. And that is, is what I mean. You know, do you take the, 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 the a different way home every day of the week, as opposed to going the same way? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, a, that's, yeah, that's, that's spot on, man. I'm glad you explained that for me because I, I get it now. I get it. Because yep. when you, if you were to break down the kind of things I do and, and the people that I have the privilege of speaking with and the kind of people I hang out with and the places I go and, and all these kinds of things, it is changing. And I'm always constantly inspired by others. And, and that's how I'm yeah. going about, you know, trying to really create my best work, which is essentially right. the magazine. And through those conversations, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, through those like meaningful conversations and, and the times that you've, and, and all that it's those inputs that then give you the inspiration for the yeah. next, right? And make you better and get you more creative and open. Oh, I never thought about it that way, you know? Mm, yeah, no, absolutely um, spot on. Absolutely spot on. And it kind of leads on to my next thing I want to talk to you about. And, and it's something that, that Srini mentioned to me. And I just wanted to hear your take if you could delve a bit further. And it was, don't follow well-lit paths and living a traditional life. What's your take on that? Following the well-lit paths. Uh, yeah, that's that, that. That's my quote. That's from my book. Don't follow the well-lit paths. Grab a machete and act on your own. Um, yeah, I mean, all I did with my early adult life, like the first few years of my adult life, and I define that by like leaving university, right? All I did was look for the street lamps and the safe ways, you know, and and that's where I'd go because that's where I thought you know, you want to go where it's brightest. So you see the party over there and you're like, whoa, I want to go that way. And that's all well paved. And that's the cool part of the city, as opposed to figuring out who you are and what you want to personify in this life, in this one and only life that you have. And if you choose to follow other people, that's, I mean, that's, that's up to everybody. You know, everybody's got their own, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying for me, and I know that there are very many people like me, and those are the misfits. Those are the people that you know, I can't, I have to, I, you know, and that is when you, you turn the other way and you say, well, it's dark and scary over there, <laughs> but, but at least it'll be an adventure, you know, and hopefully one we're pursuing, but you never know until you go, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that to me is like that one statement could, could identify the last five years of my life. Wow. And I just wanted to know, with the world it passed, what, what's your take on freedom? What, what does it mean to you? I mean, it, it depends, you know, like a lot of people, it depends what context, you know, pe like people say financial freedom, right? Yeah. They say in order to have financial freedom, I have to have X amount of dollars. I mean, there's also the other way in order to have financial freedom, you could sell everything you own and live under a bus and eat, eat wild berries. And then you're also financially free, you know? <laughs> so I think there's, you know, there's varying degrees well, I guess depending on what lenses you're wearing when you're looking at that term, it, for me, freedom is being able to, it's a choice. It's a daily choice. You know, it's not a, 
it's not a destination. It's not like I'm, I'm free every day. I struggle with freedom every day. I'm, I am encountered with a decision that I can make could be an easier decision. Could, could get more money in my pocket, but it takes me not, you know, not wildly, but like just three degrees off my path. And that's a choice. Do I give up that freedom for that bit of profit or that bit of fame or that bit of whatever it might be that, that beckons like, like the sirens, you know, like the sirens and Jason, the Argonauts, and they're just beckoning you to, you know, or do I, do I hold? So I feel like freedom is more, it, it's, it's, it's more just a daily choice to live your life with intention, to make every choice your own instead of just putting it on autopilot. And that'll never end. Yeah, wow. And what what are your plans for the future, man? <laughs> yeah, for the future. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we have... Like, you're absolutely killing it now. You're obviously doing some amazing things, but we've all got to have dreams, right? Tell us about yeah. some of your dreams. Well, you know, I mean, pragmatically, I'm doing, you know, we're launching other projects. I'm, I'm always in creation mode you know i go into hibernation mode sometimes where that's just me writing and thinking and 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 really traveling hard and, and ingesting and then you know i go into creation mode now i'm in one of those modes you know so i mean right we just launched trendy misfit and that's 12 products that i have to design and, and conceptualize every year i got six of them designed out and i hope that that'll be something that people dig you know based on the first i mean everybody dug that our first product which is called bonafide misfit a t-shirt and, and and that was cool you know so we're launching a wordpress theme company called misfit themes oh wow so it's it's handcrafted i mean i feel like in many ways that design particularly at that level has been commoditized so like you go to the market and then you you buy your milk or your tomatoes right you have no idea where the fuck you get your tomatoes from they're commodities as long as they're red and round i mean you buy them hmm. and design has become that you know, a lot of people, if you look at just that, the WordPress theme world, no one knows who makes it. You know, you don't care about the artist, the, the context, the, like what people were thinking about who it was made for. So we're launching a company that kind of, you know, really focus on like the handcraftedness of design and focusing on the author who made the design, why they made it, what was, what were they, th- who they were making it for, who were they dreaming would be using it. And it'll be more of a limited edition thing where we'll we'll kill the design after after 500 downloads, so so the web isn't littered with the same design, you know. So that I mean, I've, I haven't even talked about that publicly. So that, that that I mean, but that you know, that's that's one thing we're doing. And then you know, misfits are always up to something, man. It's, you know, we got lots of things to build up that. Awesome. So we have to look at wrapping things up, man. And um, yeah, it's it's been awesome talking with you. We touched like on a that. whole range of different things, and I just wanted to wanted to ask you one question, and and that was what's 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 the question that you wish that I'd ask you that you'd like to share in final with listeners? Huh. Wow, that is that is an on point question, my friend. What is the question that I wish you would have asked me? So before I, I interview, know. you would have had something that you really wanted to share, right? Something that you wish that I'd ask you that something that you you think it will give so much value. And we talk about, yeah. we talked about value a lot. That's a tough one, man. This, this has been a really good interview and you've, and you've gone, you've gone in depth. I think, I don't know that there, I mean, if I'm, I'm really thinking about it, I don't know if there's something that. Well, what advice, let's talk about work. We, we, I really want the theme about, you know, doing work that truly matters and getting so many ideas. Like you have a lot of ideas and you seem to get them off the ground. You seem to keep rolling and how yeah. are you managing all these things? What advice yeah. would you I, give to, to people that want to, you know, do work that truly matters and get their ideas off the ground? Because execution is definitely the most hardest part, certainly for aspiring sure. entrepreneurs. Sure, sure. I mean, one thing that people don't recognize if they don't scratch beneath the surface is, you know, we we, we have a team. So at Misfit, originally it was just me and Melissa, like nomading out of our backpacks, eating you know, bagels out of trash cans and, <laughs> and that evolved into misappropriate. And we, we have a team, you know, we have Dino and Jerome and Jesse, and these are full-time employees and Matt and, and Miriam. And, you know, we have, we have a team. So the more you seek to do in life, you have to surround yourself with people that align with that vision, you know? So when you're talking about all these ideas and getting them off the ground, 
simply there are not enough hours in the day. Literally, there are not enough hours in the day. So if you, if you want to be a solopreneur, like some people are like dead set solopreneur. They never want to like have employees or the overhead that freaks them out. Totally get it. They're going to be limited on what they can produce on their own, though. That's one thing to keep in mind. If you're a different type of entrepreneur where you want to have a team and all that, then, then I think one bit of advice I could say is like you, you kind of have to act as a, as a director. You know, my first job was I, was I was a producer of Shakespearean theater and I got very good at typecasting. So I got very good at learning like, damn, that guy would be a great Henry V. You know, he's just got that thing. You know, and outside of that role. Yeah, exactly. Outside of that role, he probably wouldn't operate very well, but in that role, he just, he wouldn't have to know a dime of Shakespeare and he'd be able to, and that's, you know, as kind of a leader, you have a vision, you want to carry something a bit more and you want to keep on launching, you know, ideas and you want to have, you got to find great people, you know, and treat them well, you know, treat them well. My friend, David Beza, brilliant. Uh, guy who I've learned a lot from at David Bays on Twitter. He always says, treat your employees like your client. And obviously that flips the model on its head where it's like the people you really care about are the people that, that do work for you, you know, and you shower with them with love and pay them well. And, and, and all that comes back. Wow. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a, there's a lot of power in, in having an extremely, extremely a player team. And, and that's what I'm all about personally too. I, I try and build my team with eight yeah. players because absolutely, yeah. I, I believe that yeah, you have you have to you have to surround yourself with really really amazingly well talented players for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And people who dig what you're trying to build. I mean, that's it has to be people in alignment that you know what what whatever revolution whatever stake you know, you're putting in the ground. Uh, Nicola Machiavelli, you know, said the reason why the Italians would always lose wars in the different provinces is because they'd hire mercenaries from Ireland or, or from up from and, and a mercenary will never die for your flag. You know, he, he's there for the money. He's not there for the love. And it's very, very important, I think, is building teams to take that same, like, do people that are gathering around, are they in it for the flag or in it for the paycheck? Because every, all of us, we're going to hit hard time. We're going to hit days where like, oh shit, we need to pull, you know, a 72 hour straight sprint to get this thing done. And the people who will stick are the people who are there for the revolution, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Well, thank you, man. That, that was awesome. I love it. All right. Well, look, we are. have to, we have to look at wrapping things up. So, so thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure, AJ. Oh, likewise. Seriously. Thank you for having me on. And I look forward to getting on sometime in the future. Cheers. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.